And Friday Luya to ya, everybody. It's Mike here. I have to do a little political ranting because there was so much in the world of politics yesterday that needs to be addressed. We're going to probably do a whole bunch of it. Some of the things I want to talk about deal with what's going on behind the scenes in the media with the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. This trial appears to all normal, logical thinking people to be a um, just a mess and one that will end in a not guilty verdict for Mr. Rittenhouse. Now, that's not going to make the mainstream media happy. The mainstream media is absolutely beside itself because they called Kyle Rittenhouse a terrorist. There was even a Joe Biden campaign ad that basically had the video from the event and referred to what was going on as uh, white supremacists and uh, domestic terrorism and calling Kyle Rittenhouse a domestic white supremacist terrorist type. Not fair. And he may get sued over that. Kyle Rittenhouse's mom was on with Sean Hannity last night on Fox talking about that. But it's what the mainstream media has been doing and how they've been lying about the Rittenhouse trial that really, really bothers me. Here's just a little bit from uh, some of the, the misinformation police. On cross-examination, what we saw was, I thought, a very rehearsed Kyle Rittenhouse. We won't hear from those two men that he killed. So it really comes down to, do we believe Kyle Rittenhouse is telling the truth or is he just giving the performance of a lifetime? They're having a protest in another state and he takes it upon himself to go there, you know? And then he says it's self-defense. No, and that, that acting job of the crying, I can't even look at it. And so we have the legal expert, Joy Behar, weighing in and she's got the facts wrong, which we'll get into. But this is what is so terrible about this. The people who are making these comments don't have all the facts and they're not above spreading lies. And they're also going after the judge, the judge in this case. Why? Because they know the case is basically lost. The mainstream media now turning on the judge. This judge is just, Willie, this judge is an absolute joke. He's been a joke from the very beginning. It's absolutely disgusting the way he's conducting himself on the stand there. He's obviously playing uh, playing for the audience, a, a certain audience. It appears that this judge is auditioning for the cameras and looking for his next gig on Fox News or, or OWN or whatever, OAN or whatever it is. I mean, this judge is going beyond the pale um, and, and trying to show off for the country his conservative credentials or whatever it may be. So when the case looks to be lost because, A, it never should have been filed as a murder case in the first place, it was obviously self-defense. If you watch the videos and listen to the real reporting, uh, it never should have had the, uh, the attention or the charges that were filed against Rittenhouse. Was he supposed to have a gun? No, not in open carry in Wisconsin. But he was attacked. He happened to have that firearm. And when people pointed guns at him, he was allowed to defend himself. But the mainstream media realizes they're in trouble, that this case is not going to go the way they're thinking. And I'm concerned that they're, they're trying to stoke more racial anger. 
that they're they're trying to push something really awful here, more racial divide. Here's a little bit more from the mainstream media. If you want to know why critical race theory exists, then look no further than the trial of Kyle Rittenhouse. White privilege on steroids, a biased, racist judge. What does justice even mean in a system that was established to strip black people of their humanity um, and has never really held white people accountable for murdering black people? It's concerning to me because I think this is not only journalistic malpractice, but I feel like this is inciting violence should the verdict come out next week or whenever it comes out. I think the case is going to final arguments on Monday. But if the verdict comes out next week and it's not what the mainstream media wants, they want to stoke more of the racial violence, racial tension, racial separation that is currently, now I'm trying to be hopeful here, that is currently a lot quieter than it was in the summer of 2020. And we don't see cities burning like we did in that summer. And I do think that justice was done for George Floyd. And so why can't we have the same justice in this case? Because it doesn't meet the narrative. They called this guy a a white supremacist who crossed state lines in order to randomly shoot people. That's not what happened. That's absolutely not what happened. But don't let Joy Behar and, and Joe Scarborough and Jeffrey Tubin don't let them have to deal with the truth. More from those three right here. That acting job of the crying, I can't even look at it. That is one of the worst acting jobs I've ever seen. This judge is an absolute joke. He's been a joke from the very beginning. This is white privilege on steroids. What kind of idiot, 17-year-old, gets a giant gun and goes to a riot? He has no license. He has no training. He thinks he's going to scrub graffiti off with his AR-15. I mean, the stupidity of this. It's like, what could possibly go wrong? The good news for Kyle Rittenhouse is that he's not on trial for being an idiot. The interesting and good news for Jeffrey Tubin, and that's who that last guy was, saying that Kyle Rittenhouse isn't on trial for being an idiot. The good news for Jeffrey Tubin is that he has not been put on trial for being an idiot. We all know what Jeffrey Tubin did on a Zoom call, and yet he's back on television. He's allowed to say things like that that are untrue, patently false. Uh, we'll get uh, final jury instructions today, I believe, from the judge. Nothing really big happening until closing arguments on Monday, and then I think the case gets turned over to the jury, unless there is a possibility, and maybe we'll talk to Wendy Patrick about this on Monday, there is a possibility that the judge could just throw this whole thing out and say that Kyle Rittenhouse should never have been charged. And that is a, a real possibility, a very real possibility. Uh, we can't do this entire segment by being totally angry, can we? No, we, we need a little bit for Friday Luya time of... What in God's name is Joe Biden trying to say? It's been an interesting week for Joseph Robinette Biden Jr., our president, who has a hard time with the language. And uh, oh, where do we even begin I know there was something from yesterday, but earlier in the week when the NBA champions, 
The Milwaukee Bucks showed up. Joe had a little trouble. Now, I, I know uh, you've got final, you, you know, you got in the finals uh, a, uh, the MVP player here and, and uh, that uh, as one team, as one nation. Now, I think I'm supposed to introduce somebody, but I'm not sure who I'm supposed to introduce now. Uh, hmm. He's not sure who he's supposed to introduce. He has a problem. His brain disconnected. And he keeps saying that his plan that he's out there selling, this Build Back Better plan, he keeps saying it's paid for. And every day we hear more and more from economists that, no, this isn't paid for and it's going to cost a lot more. All this is paid for by raising taxes on big corporations and very wealthy. We're not trying to punish anybody, but I'm insisting that they pay their fair share. If someone can finally tell us what is the fair share, What's the fair share? I don't mind paying taxes to have a great country that has a, a border, a military, good roads, schools that aren't indoctrination centers. But tell me what the fair share is. That's all we're asking. Define fair share. Because under your plan, Democrats' plan, it's a lot. I am going to do a little more political ranting because there is still so much about which to rant. And one of the things I'm talking about today is the question around people who got COVID, survived, and have powerful natural immunity. I wonder why we're not focused on that. I wonder why there is no data on that. Could it be that it doesn't meet the the overall narrative that everyone's got to get vaccinated. And I'm not anti-vaccination. I made the choice, but I am anti-mandate. And I wonder why we are hiding or not paying attention to a certain amount of information that seems to show that natural immunity is very strong. One of my favorite people in Congress is a guy named Thomas Massey from Kentucky, Representative Massey, a brilliant guy, and he's a scientist. He has a couple of degrees from uh, MIT, and he wrote uh, just a few hours ago that in response to a freedom of information request, the CDC literally admitted they have not documented a single case of an unvaccinated individual with natural immunity spreading the virus. I just want to let that sink in. The CDC has zero cases, zero cases of someone who's not vaccinated, who has natural immunity, spreading the virus. Why can we not find a way to recognize the people who've survived the virus and have probably some kind of a super immunity? I just want to know. The only answer is there's some fishy or nefarious reason behind what the CDC is doing, what the administration is doing. I just want the truth. Is that so wrong? Uh, speaking of Thomas Massey, and I will get on to another topic because I, I have a really, really important issue to bring up regarding Black Lives Matter and what they're trying to do in New York City and what they're threatening to do. But uh, Thomas Massey also sent me a clip of something he said over a year ago 
It was in September of 2020. So before the election and about a month after the Kyle Rittenhouse incident happened, where he shot and killed two people, injured another, and was going to be charged with murder. And Thomas Massey, again, brilliant guy who looks at the facts and the evidence, not the emotions. Facts are not feelings, people. Thomas Massey appeared on a radio show and gave a just a beautiful, clear explanation of what's going on there in the uh, Kyle Rittenhouse case and why he believed over a year ago this was self-defense. Strongest thing in his favor is actually the video of the event. You know, there's a lot of hearsay at, 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 uh, and a lot of eyewitnesses can think they saw see one thing and then it was actually something else that happened. But we have video of what happened. I'll call it the second event, although this was probably one continuous event. But the video of him running down the street and falling, he was fulfilling his obligation to retreat, right? Mm -hmm. And then he fell down and these one tried to attack him. With a skateboard, another pulled a handgun on him. The other tried to jump on him with his foot, and he responded in self-defense. And yeah. so I think the strongest thing he has for him is the actual video evidence. Yeah. And if I were on a jury, and all I had was the evidence that I have been able to acquire through uh, social media and the videos that are out there, I would not convict him of a single one of these charges. Not a single one of these charges, according to the very brilliant Congressman Thomas Massey of Kentucky, who's been on the show with us before. Let's hope that's the reality, because that's really what justice is all about. The left isn't going to let that go because they want to divide us. They want to push the race thing on us again. And you need to look no further than New York City, where they're about to get a new mayor who came from the police department. He also happens to be a Democrat. So it's not like they suddenly hired a law and order Republican. They have a Democrat who is a former member of the NYPD and um, also happens to be a black man. And he sounds like he's he's got everybody's best interests at heart. But the people of Black Lives Matter are not happy about it because Eric Adams, the mayor-elect of New York City, who is sworn in on New Year's Eve. Uh, Eric Adams has said he wants to bring back undercover policing. He wants to put cops on the streets again, which is what Rudy Giuliani did that brought the crime rate down so much. And the people in Black Lives Matter are not happy about it. And they sound like they're outright threatening the mayor and the city. They think that they're going to go back to the old ways of policing, that we're going to take to the streets again. There will be riots, there will be fire, and there will be bloodshed. So there's no way that we're going to let some Gestapo come in here and harm our people. Hmm. Gestapo. Sounds a little threatening. Um, he also did seem to be putting a very specific threat out there. There will be riots, there will be fire, and there will be bloodshed. Bloodshed, riots, and fire. Somebody whispered in this guy's ear, the leader of Black Lives Matter in New York City, because he's obviously trying to say, uh, hold on a second, uh, I didn't threaten anybody. We have people in city council who can create problems for him. We have people in the streets 
who can create problems for this administration by shutting it down. And make no mistake about it, I am not threatening anyone. I am just saying that as a natural response to aggressive oppression, people will react. Huh, they will react. You've already said blood and fires. And the next mayor of New York City, Eric Adams, well, he's he's not like a tough guy, but he is a guy who seems to have a level head on him. There's very few things that intimidate me. There's very few things that frighten and scare me. New Yorkers are not going to live in fear, and we're not going to be intimidated by anyone. This city is not going to be a city of riots. It's not going to be a city of burning. This is going to be a city where we're going to be safe. I hope so. I lived in New York City for over two decades, and it was a great city under Rudy Giuliani. It became a third world city under de Blasio. And it's no shock. De Blasio's a communist. He's a socialist. De Blasio, he's one of the people who called Black Lives Matter a, a hopeful, a hopeful organization. Seriously. The hopeful, positive message of Black Lives Matter is a positive, forward-looking message. Is it a positive, forward-looking message? Is it a message that you're going to have blood and in the streets and riots? Is that truly what's going to go on there? It's very maddening. I would like New York City to be a, a great city again. I would like it to be the example of what a big city can be without crime, without madness in the streets. But it means we need to have, we need to have leaders who are brave. And I don't know if that's possible. I don't know if that can be revived. It would be a wonderful, wonderful thing. But you're not going to get leaders like we had with Rudy Giuliani when he whipped New York back into shape when it, it had six murders a day. And that's because we've had people like Kamala and de Blasio and Obama sucking up to Black Lives Matter. The brilliance and the impact of Black Lives Matter, history is going to show was um, an inflection point. Black Lives Matter has been the most significant agent for change. I don't think so, madam. I really don't think so. All right, it's Michael Pelka stepping aside. More politics later in the show. Mike here, and yes, I'm going to do a little news, a little politics. We might even mock the president a little bit or a lot. Who knows? There's so much going on. I know it's a Friday. We're supposed to be happy and headed towards the weekend. But um, there are stories that must be addressed. Like the story out of Iran. And I bring this up because this is the anniversary in 19, I think it was 79. Yes. President Jimmy Carter shut down oil imports from Iran because eight days earlier, the Iranians stormed our embassy in Tehran and took a bunch of Americans hostage. And they were held hostage until Ronald Reagan was sworn in. 444 days after the embassy was stormed. And Jimmy Carter tried to get our hostages out. Didn't do quite a good job. And the economy was also a mess, etc., and um, they tried to squeeze Iran with this, this oil push. Didn't really stop Iran. And I bring this up because it reminds me when I see the story that 
Iranian-backed terrorists, extremists, attacked the American embassy in Yemen, which is a, a place that's in a horrible situation. Yemen is not a safe place. We got our staff out of Yemen, I believe, a couple months ago. So the embassy was empty of Americans, but hostages were taken, equipment was taken, and the Iranians provided the money to fuel the extremists, the terrorists. Just saying, we don't need to be making nice with Iran, Mr. President. I wish you would not be doing that. I really do. Uh, President Trump got a bit of a victory yesterday. An appeals court blocked the release of Donald Trump's records. Uh, the uh, January 6th panel on the uh, alleged insurrection at the Capitol wanted all of Donald Trump's records, all of his staff's records for that date. And Donald Trump said no, executive privilege. And he cited an order signed by Barack Obama that blocks access to a lot of presidential records. So wouldn't it be funny if the Democrats and their push to once again mess with Donald Trump, uh, wouldn't it be funny if their efforts were thwarted by something signed by Barack Obama? Kind of funny to me. One of those things I, uh, I will take great pleasure if an Obama executive order prevents the Democrats from doing a uh, a document proctoscope on Donald Trump and anybody who worked for him. That's what they want. That's really what they want. Uh, we also have news that the White House is looking to hire Terry McAuliffe. So what's the message here? The message is if you are a well-connected politician who still can't win an election that you should have won, the White House will hire you. They will hire failures. He's failing up. You would have gone from being the governor to a, a White House position. It sure looks like that's going to happen. I would bet money on that. Terry McAuliffe going to a White House gig, a very important White House gig. Uh, we finally found a tax Nancy Pelosi doesn't like. If you remember, a couple of weeks ago, there was all kinds of chatter that Elizabeth Warren and her kind wanted to impose a tax on profits people had not yet made, unrealized gains. And this was the absolute craziest thing I've ever seen. To me, this was theft, complete theft by the government, going in and saying, well, your house is worth more, therefore we should tax you on the additional wealth you've had, even though you haven't sold it. That's essentially what they wanted to do. And it was the the Democrats, the uber-liberal Democrats' way of trying to reallocate wealth to people who don't have it from people they believe have it. And it really is crazy. It really is nuts. Nancy Pelosi was not behind that. So we finally found a tax that Nancy Pelosi doesn't like. And the reason she doesn't like it, it would have hit her very hard. Nancy Pelosi has made a lot of money in the world of real estate and she has a lot of unrealized profits in the stock market. And if this had gone through, Nancy Pelosi would have been one of the people who would have had to have paid taxes on money they had yet to earn. Taxes on paper gains 
which are really nothing because at any time the stock market could collapse, could absolutely tumble. Kind of interesting to see that. Uh, and uh, earlier today, I mentioned that, you know, we, we can't go too far in the week without remembering to say. What in God's name is Joe Biden trying to say? That is a really important one, isn't it? Joe Biden uh, yesterday uh, brought out the Satchel Page story again. Joe Biden, I just don't understand this. I really don't. Satchel Page was a pitcher in the major leagues, and prior to that, he had a pitcher in the Negro leagues. And uh, Joe Biden is just apparently thinking that that this one line that Satchel Page applied for his personal philosophy warrants the president bringing him up all the time. And he did it again yesterday on Veterans Day. You know, I've adopted the attitude of the great Negro at the time, pitcher in the Negro Leagues, went on to become a great pitcher in the pros into the Major League Baseball after Jackie Robinson. His name was Satchel Page. It is so bizarre. What did he call him? The great Negro at the time? You know, I've adopted the attitude of the great Negro at the time, pitcher in the Negro Leagues went on. It's it's really frightening. And the Democrats should be very worried because this is front and center. Everybody sees it. Everybody sees it. The Pope saw it two weeks ago when Joe Biden went on and on and on. They got to give him a better explanation to describe how he views age. Because this one ain't working. This one ain't working at all. It's, it's not working like the administration's take on the economy. We are seeing the inflation rise and it's not going to stop. We were told last summer that inflation was transitory. It's not transitory. It's going to keep going. All the big economists are now saying that the, the things in place, even if you stop the spending, even if you don't pass the next crazy, crazy, absolutely out of control spending bill, that the inflation will continue. There's no way to stop the oil prices going up. There's no way to stop food prices going up. There's just no way. Rents are on the rise. And any money that people were paid in additional, additional raises over the year has now been completely wiped out. And in fact, people are making technically less money than they were a year ago. All of the gains have been lost and then some. Congressman Jim Jordan, who I think is one of the great ones as well out of Ohio, boiled it down last night. He was on Fox talking about the Biden economy and uh, how they're handling things. Everything costs more because they have the dumbest economic plan in history. Their plan is basically lock down the economy, spend like crazy, pay people not to work. For the people who have been working, they're going to raise their taxes and spend even more money. Yeah, that's pretty much it. The dumbest economic plan in history brought to you by the dumbest people in government in history. We often call them a cacistocracy. A cacistocracy is a government by the worst possible people. And I think we actually have that in this administration. Government by the worst possible people. Shrink the government, increase the freedom, 
protect the borders, protect the country. It's not really a difficult job. 